Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Today, we're chatting with Glenna Marshall about faithfulness. This is such a rich episode coming off Thanksgiving and moving into the Advent season. Glenna said, we've got to begin the conversation here. I cannot arrive at faithfulness by myself. Any faithfulness that is um, growing in my life is fruit of the Spirit's work in my life. I cannot get there by myself. And so where does that begin? Well, that begins in the Lord's work at the cross for us. Praise God that in spite of our faithlessness, He is faithful. And He fulfilled all of His promises to us in the person of His Son, Jesus. We pray that you guys are encouraged to look to Jesus, especially in this season, and that your faith is bolstered as you reflect on the ways that God has been faithful to both his people throughout all of redemptive history and to you personally, especially as you reflect on this year. I can't wait for you guys to hear from Glenna today, but you know before we go there that I want to tell you about our sponsors who help make today's episode possible, Crossway, Prep Dish, and The Hope Planner. How many of us find ourselves managing lots of schedules, making what seem like never-ending bliss, and constantly trying to make the most of our time? We all want to spend more time in prayer and nourishing our faith, but time seems to always slip away. Did you know that there is an all-in-one planner for Christian women combining a daily planner and prayer journal in one? This planner helps you make time for your faith each day like you make time for tasks and appointments. The Hope Planner reshapes the way that you look at your day by pre-scheduling a spot in your schedule for your devotion time. There is a daily and weekly version, and it does all the other important things that you need a planner to do, like setting goals, making a schedule, remembering your to-do list, meal planning, all this while giving you weekly space to take sermon notes, journal your prayers, and create monthly prayer lists. We encourage you to check out the way the Hope Planner helps you be as prayerful as you are productive. To get your shop online at hopefuel.co and use the code HUNTER15 for 15% off. Also follow at hopefuel.co on Instagram. Now, on to my conversation with Glenna on the topic of faithfulness. Glenna, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. Thanks, Hunter. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. You're kind of reminding me of being back home because, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. You're from Missouri, just right a little bit north. Uh, So it's just fun to get to have a little slice of home as we sit uh, and chat in our quiet houses today, which I know doesn't happen often for either of us. So this is a treat. It is good. And yeah, actually, I've been in Missouri just 14 years, which actually is kind of a long time. But um, I'm originally from West Tennessee. And so, uh, yeah, so still kind of, it's not that. Um, it's not that different from Southeast Missouri where I live. It's pretty close actually. Um, but yeah, so I am enjoying this morning, a quiet house. My kids are at school. I have my coffee. It's all good. I was going to say, I saw your Skype handle was something to the extent of I need coffee. And I'm like, well, I got my cup of coffee here and it's good to chat with you as you have yours (laughs) as well. You know, you have a couple books out. I've read a lot of things from you online, um, that have been encouragement to me, but could you tell the listeners just a little bit about who you are? and what your days look like? Yeah, sure. So I am a pastor's wife. My husband, William, and I have been married 16 years, and we did move to Missouri for a local church that he has been pastoring for the past 14 years. Wow. And uh, we actually have gone through some recent big changes in our ministry. We 
Uh, this summer, we merged with another local church to form a gospel-centered, racially diverse church. Amazing. In our, yeah, we live in a small, pretty racially segregated town. Hmm. And um, my husband and I have a background of infertility and we ended up adopting our sons. And my husband and I are white. Our oldest son is black and our youngest son is biracial. And so the Lord really put in our hearts several years ago, you know, how do we like bridge the racial divide in our community for the sake of our sons and for the sake of the church here. Mm. And the Lord has just done, I mean, it's a whole nother podcast, but the Lord's done some amazing work here in our community and given us another pastor to partner with. And we are kicking off our new church. Um, like our grand opening is in December and it's just, it's been so exciting to see the Lord work here in our small town and oh, just such good stuff. So our life's really busy with uh, church merge stuff right now, which is just something it's similar to a plant or a replant. Yeah. So lots of meetings and launching things and lots of church team meetings and stuff like that. So that's filling a lot of our time these days. And I do have my two boys who keep me very busy. And um, and then I write as much as I can in what little spare time there is, which is usually nap time. <laughs> yes. You have a book out called The Promise is His Presence, Why God is Always Enough. And as soon as I read the title, I was like, you know what? I don't even need to like open the first page to know that I want to read this book. Like I need this <laughs> book right now. So unfortunately, I haven't got to it yet because I always have a stack of books that I'm like getting to for the podcast oh, content. And then my house flooded and all my books yes. got packed. But um, <laughs> it is definitely on my to read as well as your upcoming book with Crossway called Everyday Faithfulness, which is what we're going to chat about today. And I just I love God uh, and how he is just so I don't know. He just orchestrates the details. You and I were chatting and I reached out to you to talk uh, on one of the fruit of the spirit. And I believe I specifically reached out about faithfulness only to find out that you actually have a whole book coming out on faithfulness. So it's really cool to get to chat with you about that. Are you done writing it or are you still in the process? Now I'm done. It's been copy edited. I think wow. I have one more set of proofs that come back next month. And okay. then I think it goes to press comes out in June of next year. Congratulations. That's Thank huge. You. you basically yeah. have four babies. <laughs> I know, right. Yeah. Writing two books in two years. I mean, it just about killed me, but I'm so thankful to be on this side of it. And it happened so fast and so much at once that I almost don't remember it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. I am just so impressed. I mean, it takes me like a year to write an Instagram post. So well done. <laughs> oh, well, you know, we were talking about just the faithfulness of God. And every time I record, I pray with the guests before we start recording and um, just talk about recounting the faithfulness of God to not only us, but his people throughout all of redemptive history. And this is just so, this is like a topic that never gets old. So no wonder you could write a whole book about it. It's such a vibrant topic for conversation. So I'd love to hear from you. Do you just have kind of an encapsulation of like, what is faithfulness? Like, what does it mean to be faithful? Yeah. So I think that, you know, we think of faithfulness as like almost like a character trait, like mm -hmm. loyal or constant or true, maybe having allegiance to a person or a thing, you know, like someone who's just really, really uh, steadfast. Um, and I think that's true. I think when we look at the character of God throughout all of scripture and he is constant, I mean, and I just, it's one of the things I love about him the most is all throughout the story of his people throughout the old Testament, mm -hmm they are categorically unfaithful to him. Yes. Yes. From the very from, beginning I mean, from Eden. I mean, that is just where it's where it begins. And 
And yet God makes promises to his people over and over. Mm -hmm. He asserts his promises, reasserts, reminds them, and always reminds them who he is and what he's done for them. And he just continually keeps his promises even when they are just completely, you know, running after pagan gods Mm -hmm. or maybe even fusing worship with, of him with a pagan God, you know, trying to kind of have a foot in both camps, so to speak. And even when like the Lord responds with judgment that he has promised, he is still being true to himself. He's still keeping his word and still keeping his promises. And I just love that he is so constant, unchanging, always the same. Mm -hmm. And that carries through the New Testament. And he is the same God from the first page to the last. And just, I think that like just a really simple word, he's so reliable. You know, we can Mm -hmm. always turn back to him, no matter what is going on in our lives, whether we have failed to be faithful to him or not, he is going to remain faithful. And so, you know, I think if we think about the term faithfulness, we have to look first at his character and, and where that originates from. But I also like to, like, when I look at faithfulness as it's described in the new Testament, it's a pretty proactive word. Hmm. It's almost like a call to obedience and I think sometimes when we think of a word like faithfulness or even some of the other fruit of the spirit, it, we almost think of, well, it's just something that God's going to sort of like magically imbue to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and the Holy Spirit does do a super, I mean, his work in our heart is supernatural. Absolutely. But I think faithfulness is something that we're also called to do, um, like something we're called to be. It's almost like this is who you are in Christ, so you need to live this way, which is, you know, a pattern we see in all of Paul's letters in the New Testament. You know, Paul writing saying, "Hey, you're a new creature in Christ. This is who you are. Now right. live this way, walk in this way." We, we, my husband and I, joke all the time. We're like, "Be who you are. You know, this is who you are in Christ." And um, yes. so live as as who God has called you to be, and who God has equipped you to be, because you have lots of language in the New Testament about persevering to the end mm-hmm. and holding fast to your confession. And I really think those descriptions encapsulate faithfulness in the life of a believer. I think it's almost synonymous with perseverance and being steadfast and holding fast to our faith in Christ requires some action on our part. You know, God has given us, I think it's in Second Peter, we're told that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So he's equipped us. And in order to be faithful to him and to hold on to what we believe about him and about Christ and about the work at the cross, we have to obey and feed our faithfulness. I think there's a, an expectation I had for a long time, specifically when I was younger, that when I'm older, I'll I'll really be, a stronger, more faithful Christian. And kind of like, just because I'm older, you know, like I'll be older and then I'll kind of arrive at this sort of faithfulness. I don't know how I expected to arrive there, but I thought I'll just, you know, I'm going to live my life now and I'm busy, or maybe I have small children, or maybe I'm busy with my career, but later I'm going to definitely, you know, hunker down and be more faithful. But I think that if we want to arrive at long-term faithfulness to Jesus later, we have to start with faithfulness today, mm-hmm. feeding our faithfulness while it is called today. I don't think we can expect to magically wake up 
faithful 10 years from now if we're not feeding our faithfulness today. Mm, Yeah, that's so good. And I always wrestle with that tension, Glenna, of like, yes, this is the spirit. Like, this is entirely a work of the spirit. And yet I'm striving and I'm working. And I'm also striving (laughs) from a place of rest, knowing that he has already accomplished like my right standing before God and all of that. But I just have this tendency to kind of polarize between the two extremes. Either I'm like all in trying to accomplish faithfulness in and of myself and not looking to the spirit and not walking in the spirit as the passage in Galatians 5, where this whole text that we're talking about comes from, or I'm just like, Lord, you work it out in me. I'm just, I'm a hot mess. Like, we're just going (laughs) to just trust you, and I'm not really going to put forth a whole bunch of effort. So, what does it actually look like for us to strive from a place of rest and for us to strive to be faithful while also knowing that this is entirely a work of the Spirit? Yeah, I think you have to first begin with I cannot arrive at faithfulness by myself. Any faithfulness that is um, growing in my life is fruit of the Spirit's work in my life. I cannot get there by myself. And so where does that begin? Well, that begins in the Lord's work at the cross for us. And I love the passage in Hebrews 10. It's Mm. one of my favorite passages. Some people call it the the lettuce passage Mm. um, because we have so many lettuce do such and such, lettuce do such such and such. (laughs) (laughs) So basically the author of Hebrews is talking about in the beginning of chapter 10, you know, here's what Jesus has done for us at the cross. He has Um, His sacrifice is the perfect, pure sacrifice once and for all. And what he has done is bought us access to God the Father. Mm. And so in light of what he has done, then the author of Hebrews says, like, let's do three things. Let's um, draw near with Mm. the true heart to God. Then he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And then let us not neglect to meet together. And he's talking about with the body of Christ. And I feel like, like the path of faithfulness we follow that through these things that God has given us. He has equipped us to be faithful to Him through drawing near in prayer, through holding fast our confession, the Word, and not neglecting to meet with the people of God, so the body of Christ. So He's given us prayer, the Word, and the church to help us maintain faithfulness to Him. He's given us everything we need, and we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And so I think the way that we like if we want to say, I'm, I want to pursue faithfulness to Christ, I think we hearken back to these age old practices of knowing the Lord through prayer, through scripture and through fellowship with his people. I just, I don't think there are new ways that we need to invent to try to be faithful to Jesus. I think these old ways have been anchoring points for the people of God throughout the history of, of his people. And so I think we travel the path of sort of, I mean, I don't want to like say, okay, you have to do more, do more, be more in order to be faithful to God. I'm just saying like, let's submit ourselves to the ways he has given us to be faithful to him because those things are a protection from wandering away Mm -hmm. from the faith. Well, and those are the things that are really going to bring us life, like enjoy, like the things that we desire. Like these are the, that, that is why he has set it up for us in this way, because he knows this is what is good for us. And man, Mm -hmm. I have the weirdest responses when people are saying things on the podcast and I've never had this one before, but when you were talking, I literally wanted to just throw my chair back and start doing that, like old school dance where you just like move your hands in a circle. Like, yeah, baby. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) 
<laughs> you with me? Um, so yeah. So you mentioned from that passage, and I don't know why I don't have that passage memorized. I'm doing that um, as soon as I get my brain back. But I, uh, you know, at the very beginning of the passage, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, let's talk about that. What was the ultimate yeah. expression of God's faithfulness to us? in the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, goodness. I mean, we could talk for hours about this, but I mean, all of the promises that he made in the Old Testament to his people, he fulfilled them in Jesus at the cross. I mean, he sent his son to be one of his people, to live among them, to live a perfect life, to do all the things that we could not do. He did it perfectly. He obeyed the Father perfectly, even to death on a cross where he paid for our sins and then didn't stay dead. He conquered sin, Satan, and death and was raised three days later. And what God was doing there was giving us freedom from our sin, promise of eternal life with him, but this free access to him that the people in the Old Testament had not had. They had to have a priest intercede for them. And all of that, of course, was pointing to Jesus. If you can, you read the whole book of Hebrews, you can see that very clearly. But I mean, it is through Jesus that we can boldly approach the Father. That is just amazing. And I think, you know, the the author of Hebrews, when we're writing to Jewish Christians, I mean, that would have just been such a strange and different approach to God because His holiness and their sinfulness was, you know, that was the problem. They could not approach Him because of their sin. But because of Jesus, God has just faithfully supplied us with what we need to have a relationship with Him. And so He's in Jesus, he's fulfilling all of these promises that he made. Just so faithful to keep his mm-hmm. promises and in a way that is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and he came and then when he left, he gave us the spirit, oh. which we've talked about in this series. It's better for us to have the spirit and like for us to be able to come to the Lord and ask for help when we're struggling to be faithful. Because the reality is... We are an unfaithful people. I mean, I have been reckoned with this. You think you're doing fine, Glenna, and then mm. tragedy hits, or you think you're doing okay and something just doesn't go your way, you know, <laughs> and then come to face to face with your shortcoming and your failure and the reality that you, despite your, you know, desire to be faithful, are simply not. So, what or who is it that even enables us to walk in faithfulness to any degree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I was just sitting in Bible study yesterday with a couple of friends, and we were um, reading a passage in Matthew 15 where we're talking about the Holy Spirit living in us. And one of my friends was like, you know, I just, I forget about the Holy Spirit sometimes. Yeah. You know, I just kind of lump him in underneath the Father and the Son. And I said, you know, I know, I think what we do that sometimes and we forget that like when we're sitting and reading our Bibles Mm -hmm. or we're praying or we're having a conversation that's difficult with someone, we should be calling on the Holy Spirit. He is living in us and we should be asking Him for discernment, for Him to illuminate the scriptures for us, to open our eyes so we can see it, to help us to obey. I mean, He is there to comfort and help us. That is His role in our lives. And oh my goodness, What a far cry from the people in the Old Testament, you know, having priests intercede in the tabernacle, the Holy Spirit living in us. They couldn't even imagine that. 
you know, I just forget. Yes, I know. It just, it actually makes me really excited and I'm thankful. And this is again, yet again, back to the Hebrews verse. Like this is why uh, we're stirring one another up to remember. This is what community does. Like we come alongside each other and say, no, 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 remember. Like you have the spirit residing in you. So when you're struggling in that way, look to him for help. And that just is an encouragement to me. Like I'm going to get off this call and God willing, I'm going to walk forward with a little bit of extra chutzpah uh, to fight Mm -hmm. sin and to walk in faithfulness because of this conversation. However, I'm probably going to have to listen to it like an hour later. (laughs) Again, that's where it all comes, all comes full circle. The prayer, the scripture, we need it all. I'll walk away from this and I'll be simultaneously encouraged. And then I'll also be discouraged when I fail yet again, because that will inevitably happen. So what's the appropriate response when we realize that we have failed and been unfaithful to the Lord and unfaithful to his people? Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to happen. Like we just, we, the Lord is sanctifying us as we walk with him, but we are not perfect and we will not be till we see him face to face. And Mm so, I mean, we're definitely going to forget about him. Like I said, we're going to dethrone him for lesser things Mm -hmm. at times. We're going to move him aside for more urgent pressing things. And I'm using air quotes, as I say, more urgent pressing things, Um, you know, but faithfulness I think is when you go through those times or when you're either, you know, sinning willfully or sinning unintentionally, or just, you know, maybe putting some distance between yourself and the Lord, like neglecting the church or neglecting your spiritual disciplines. And you feel that, you know, you feel that distance that you put, he's always near, but sometimes we distance our hearts from him. But I think faithfulness is, you know, confessing your sin, repenting and picking right back up where you left off. It is not saying, okay, well, I've screwed up. I'll pick this back up in January. You know, like faithfulness is is regularly turning um, or repentance just regularly turning. And I think a life of faithfulness is marked by daily repentance. Like I have sinned and I confess it before the Lord. Lord, help me to walk in the way that is pleasing to you. Help me to to turn back to you and turn my face fully towards Mm -hmm. you again. And then you get up tomorrow and you do the exact same thing. And it's, you know, these are small everyday acts of faithfulness, but those are the things that the cumulative effect of that is a lifetime of turning your face to Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's not a one-time thing. It is an everyday, I'm going to get up, believe that he is enough for me, believe that he has forgiven me where I have failed him, believe that Jesus's sacrifice at the cross is sufficient for me. And I'm going to hold on to him more today than I did yesterday. And then tomorrow you're going to do the same thing. It's not really like rocket science. It's not complicated. But it is hard sometimes. It's hard to, you know, not get bogged down by feelings of guilt or self-loathing or shame. But, you know, you have to go back to the gospel that, you know, if I am in Christ, there's no more condemnation for me. Uh It has all been poured out on Jesus at the cross. So I stand before the Father fully forgiven. And I'm not going to like get up and read my Bible and pray and meet with my church in order for Him to love me. I'm do it because he already loves me and I know he loves me and I'm going to know it more when I turn my face to him tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So I think, you know, when we've messed up, like it's just that daily repentance Mm -hmm. and and saying, you know what, I, I'm just going to, it's forgetting what is behind and pressing towards what is ahead. Like Paul says. Mm, That is so good. I yesterday even had a moment where the Holy spirit was bringing about conviction in my heart. And it was something that was really small, Glenna. I mean, I'm just going to say it because I know everybody 
uh, struggles with this. Like it was, I was um, on social media and I was just kind of getting in that loop of like, I just keep checking it and keep looking there for satisfaction. And, and you know what I do is I feel that little prick of conviction. And then instead of like wanting to look my face to him and walk in repentance and like um, walk in humility and say like, Lord, you know what? I am thinking of myself too much. Would you help me? Would you help me? Instead, I want to just put the phone away and I want to be disciplined and prove that I can like do this, you know? And I just felt that the Holy Spirit just, you know, gently remind me that like, no, 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 like walk in repentance, like you said, mm-hmm. apologize for what you've done and then walk forward. Mm-hmm. I feel myself stiffening my neck sometimes when the Holy Spirit brings about that conviction. But like you said, let's be quick to walk in repentance. And let me tell you, by God's grace in that moment, like I did, and then it was like a done deal. It was over as opposed to I probably would have, you know, it, had I tried to do it in and of my own strength, grabbed my phone about five minutes later and walked right back into that pattern. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what I do in those situations a lot is like, well, I've just kind of wrecked my day, you know, like I, yep. I'm obsessed with myself. I can't stop sinning in this area. Like I'll just wait until tomorrow morning. We'll start fresh. But like, yeah, is, I mean, realizing the Lord's forgiveness yeah. is momentary. Like you can mm-hmm. repent right away. It's like what I'm trying to teach my children about owning your sin, repenting yeah. and moving on. I need to apply to myself. Yeah. One of my good friends, Abby Wedgworth, I think you're, you guys oh, are yeah. connected too. She mentions that in parenting, like we we don't have to have like a bad parenting day in general. You know, like we can say, okay, we're going to repent. We're going to look our face to Jesus together as sons, daughters, mothers, like together. And we don't have to have a terrible day all day, even though the day has been derailed. Yeah. Cause you know, it's not like the Lord is standing there with this frowning face saying like, oh, well, I guess I'll forgive you this time. Yeah. You know, like he has forgiven all of our yeah. sins. All of our sin. And not that we need to take our sin lightly. I mean, the Holy Spirit, He convicts us for a reason so that we will not continue to walk in it. But like, we don't, it's not like the Lord is begrudgingly handing out forgiveness. And I think, you know, walking in faithfulness recognizes that I am forgiven. And in this moment, I need to remember I am not who I used to be. I'm in creation in Christ and the spirit lives in me. And I'm going to walk forward in obedience to him from this moment on. And I really think that's the core of faithfulness. Sometimes we get so hung up on what's behind us on past decisions or past professions. Yes. And the question that I see in the new Testament really is like, do you believe today? Are you faithful right now? Like walk forward in faithfulness, stop looking backwards. And I think, you know, in the church tradition that I grew up in, there was a lot of emphasis placed on past decisions. And I mean, whether it's a definite moment that, you know, or time in your life where the Holy Spirit makes you alive in Christ and you're a new creation, you know, the question really isn't, well, were you faithful 10 years ago when you were walking with Jesus? No, are you faithful now? Because faithfulness is like the soil where spiritual growth happens. And so we need to just keep looking forward and walking forward in faith that the Mm -hmm. Lord continue because we have that promise in Philippians 1 that He will finish the work that He has started. And I think that when we have failed and we feel like Mm -hmm. I've absolutely wrecked my relationship with Jesus or I've wrecked it with someone else, like, nope, if you're in Christ, he will finish what he has started in you. What a great hope that is. I hope you guys are finding this conversation with Glenna as helpful as I did. And because of that, I want to tell you about the other sponsors who help make it possible. Crossway and PrepDish. I know firsthand how meal planning and grocery shopping to ensure that you have all the right ingredients can be difficult to execute, especially when things get busy with the holidays and just life in general. 
the answer to the dilemma of meal planning is PrepDish. PrepDish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service to help you save time and money. PrepDish is offering our listeners a free two-week trial of their gluten-free and paleo meal plans or their keto meal plan. If you're like me, it's incredible to be able to save time by having somebody else make my grocery list and to handle our meal planning. The steps are so easy to follow, and then you can prep all your meals at one time for the entire week. PrepDish helps you feel good about the meals you're providing your family while making the most of your time in the kitchen. Try them out today. So even if you're like me in an extended stay hotel, you can serve amazing meals to your family, like the slow cooker carnitas bowl. Mm. To try PrepDish free for two weeks, go to PrepDish.com journey. That's PrepDish.com journey. Our other sponsor for today's episode is Crossway. Crossway's purpose as a not-for-profit ministry is to publish gospel-centered, Bible-centered resources that honor our Savior and serve His church. Crossway is dedicated to producing products that enrich personal and public study of Scripture. New from Crossway to help your study of God's Word are the ESV Scripture Journals. Great tools for those of you who like to take notes, record thoughts and prayers, or creatively engage with the text. The ESV scripture journals are made with thick journaling paper and have a lined blank page next to each page of scripture, perfect for personal Bible reading and reflection. These also allow you to take notes through a sermon series with the ESV text close to your notes for quick reference. You can buy each book of the Bible individually or as complete sets. Take a look at the ESV scripture journals and many other ESV Bibles at crossway.org slash journeywomen6. Now, Back to my conversation with Glenna Marshall. There's just such a tendency. I don't know if this is just in Western culture, uh, but the prosperity gospel mindset, like we think faithfulness looks like this, you know, and golly, Glenna, I have it in, you know, in my theology and I don't even realize it until we come face to face with like suffering. And then I start to question like, what have I done wrong? But no, like all throughout scripture, you know, we are promised uh, hardship and we know that God is going to allow hard things to come into our life so that he can make us look more like his son, Jesus. So one of the cool things about all these conversations on the fruit of the spirit is that every person that I've talked to in some way, their life has been marked by some element of suffering. So we talked to Johnny Erickson Tata just last week about goodness, and that was so powerful. And then we've talked just to so many different people throughout the context of this series about what it's looked like for them to walk in the spirit in hardship and and suffering. So how do hardship and suffering like that actually teach us? Like, how does the Lord use those circumstances to show us more of His faithfulness and what it looks like for us to be faithful too? Yeah, I think that suffering and hardship, well, first of all, like you said, I mean, they are promised in scripture. At one point I went through and looked at all those New Testament writers who like guarantee it. And Jesus, Jesus said it, Paul said it, Peter said it, James said it, John said it. I mean, you <laughs> you can't get around it. And I missed that growing up. I did too. It's in my theology, deep, deep down. I hate it. And I, I love that the Lord is like weeding it out of me, but it's really painful because I automatically have a knee jerk reaction to suffering. Like, what am I doing wrong? Exactly. And it's like, that's not, that's not biblical. No, it's not. And like, what is biblical is that all who uh, want to live a godly life will be persecuted. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is biblical. And when you encountered trials of many kinds, yes. and Peter, you know, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal yes. that is thing, as if something strange were happening to you. So I somehow missed that. I thought that like following Jesus would mean that I have like <laughs> this really blessed, like white picket fence life uh, because yeah. I was obedient. But that is the prosperity gospel. Yeah. That's like performing for a particular outcome. 
which is different than obeying Christ, no matter how difficult it is. And I think that when we are holding on to Christ during seasons of suffering, that's really when perseverance is formed in our life. That's where God cultivates Hmm. uh, steadfastness Mm -hmm. because if we are holding on to Jesus and holding on to our confession of hope and praying and, and loving our church only when life is easy and trouble-free, then we're not learning perseverance. And we definitely should be holding on to him during those seasons. But like when we are, have that gritty, you know, white knuckled hold on to Jesus, when life is absolutely falling apart, then you'll always be holding on to him. You know, it is like, that's when you're tested, your faith is refined in the fires of suffering to sort of use Peter's language in first Peter one. And and that's when it reveals that it is real steadfast faith. And the thing is, is that for those who are in Christ, faithfulness is proof of life. I mean, it is Mm -hmm. evidence that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and that you have been made alive in Christ. If you're in Christ, he's going to cultivate faithfulness in you one way or the other. And sometimes he uses suffering to do it, Mm -hmm. to really, you know, strip away the other things in your life so that you come to the point where if all you have is Christ, he is enough for you. And if you can say that in the dark night of the soul, then you can say it on any other day in life. Mm. Did you experience that when you guys were navigating infertility? Oh, for sure. And we did. We had many years of infertility, still do. I mean, we were given no hope of conceiving. And so, and not just infertility, but we had like many years of overlapping trials. Our our church ministry, which I am so thankful for now, was really difficult for a long time. And throughout kind of layered trials of infertility, difficult church ministry, and then I developed an autoimmune disease um, that just crippled me with pain for about six years. Um, all of that happened at once, wow. like over the same window of time. And there were many days where I just would come to the Lord and say, it's too much. I just, it's too much like yeah. body, spirit, you know, I mind, I, I can't take it anymore. But the Lord really drew me to the scriptures during that time, I had not been a very faithful Bible reader in those days. And I had nothing, I had nowhere else to go. And I was yeah. always reminded of Peter's words, you know, where else can we go? You have the words of life. And so I began turning to the word in desperation. And that is when I learned that God is faithful when mm-hmm. life falls apart. And there is nothing else in my life that is sure, nothing that is constant. Anything can be taken in a moment, health, job, security, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and, so I, I had to come to a point where just what I said a second ago, like if my situation ever changes and this is all I have and all I have is the constancy of the Lord in this, is he enough for me? Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he just, he was, mm-hmm. and he is, and he continues to be. And I've learned that if he is enough for me, when my life is unraveling, then he is enough every day until I see him face to face. Yes, yes, yes. And amen. I am feeling that now. And I, it feels uh, trite to say, <laughs> <laughs> it, it does feel trite because, you know, if anything, this whole situation that we're walking through with like the flood and the displacement and all of that has just really opened up my eyes to like how privileged we really are. Cause it's like, really like you're going to complain about like having a, you know, a hotel to li- like, there's people all over the world who are 
genuinely like displaced with no knowledge of where they're going to rest their head tomorrow. And yes, your hotel room just got booked out from under you and you don't have a place to stay on Saturday, <laughs> but you know you're, where you're staying Thursday, Friday. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that's hard. It's you know, children, that's really, it's not an It easy is. Thing. And I, um, I, yeah, I've been encouraged to that end, exactly what you said. And I've also mentioned this, but I've seen myself struggling in all areas, not just with faithfulness, but like with all the fruit of the spirit. And I just think it's hilarious when <laughs> my life actually overlaps with the episodes that we're airing, but all the fruit of the spirit, like I'm like, okay, Lord, this like, help me, help me uh, to exude Christ-likeness in the midst of this hardship. So how does um, this particular attribute, like faithfulness, how does it work together with the other attributes that we see listed in that fruit of the spirit uh, passage in Galatians 5? Because it's not like we're just going to be like struggling in faithfulness and not like love, joy, peace, patience, you know, (laughs) kindness, goodness. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, how does it work together with those other attributes? Yeah. When I pray in the mornings, um, one of the, I pray with a list each day. And so one of the things I pray for myself every morning is for the Lord to cultivate the fruit of the spirit in my life. And, but I find, and and I list each one by name, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I, because I feel like I'm never really good at any of them. (laughs) I feel they're all connected. And if I'm not you know, um, showing love, I'm probably not showing kindness. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. probably not patience. There's probably no joy, no peace in my heart. And so I think that, you know, none of these things are going to happen apart from abiding in Christ. Yeah. And, you know, I go back to obedience when it comes to faithfulness, because we're not always going to feel like being faithful to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think it's John 15, where Jesus yeah. is talking about the vine and the branches and being, you know, attached to the vine. Like we can't expect to grow in things right. detached from him. And then he says in that passage too, you know, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. And thankfully we know what his commandments are. He has given it to us in his word. And so I think that if we want to see the Holy Spirit cultivate these wonderful things in our life, first of all, we have to realize we can't do it apart from him. This is not a man-made thing. I can't just automatically have peace and patience and mm-hmm. kindness. It's not like a little ornament that we can hang on the tree. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't think it's like fairy dust either. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not going to just magically wake up more patient tomorrow than I am today. I think some of these are things that we we learn and we practice yeah. and the it's pleased to grow them in our lives as we seek to emulate Jesus, yeah. as we seek to obey his word and put to death our sin. All of these things. It's such, it's, thing to explain because there is that tension of like such a fine line to walk in the middle between doing this in the power of the spirit, mm-hmm. doing this in the power of the flesh. We can't do it in the flesh, um, but we can't also just sit back and act like obedience isn't required of us because it is. We, our life it does not belong to us. Like he is, Jesus is our Lord. He has complete rights over us. And so we have a life of submission to him of obedience. And I don't think just, you know, sitting back and expecting God to do all of the work, it's work out your salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who is working in you. And so it's a both and thing. Like we only do it because he is pleased to do it in our life. But he also does expect us. It's like sharing the gospel, you know, mm-hmm, like he didn't mm-hmm. need us to share the gospel. He could have sent the mm-hmm. out by any other way, but he chose to involve us. So it's an act of obedience to do so. And as we do it, it's a joy, even though it is done usually on my end with fear and trembling. With lots of fear, yeah. <laughs> I think that too, I mean, you're right though. Like 
sometimes we look at things that the Lord commands us to do in scripture. We look at obedience as drudgery, but I think there is no more joyful place in life than to be mm-hmm. obedient, seeking to be obedient to Christ. There is yeah. so much joy that the Lord grows in your heart when you are submitting your your desires to his desires, when you are, you know, choosing to practice patience rather than impatience, Mm -hmm. when you are choosing to, after you have failed, say, Lord, I believe that Jesus's death at the cross has paid for this sin right now. And I'm going to walk forward in faith from this moment. There is a lot of joy in that. We do not have to be weighed down by our failures or by drudgery. Sometimes we have to obey when we don't feel like it, but the Lord is so faithful to supply joy, to to really grow these good things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, um, when we are obedient to Him. You know, sometimes it does feel like a grind. And I find, this is just me, when I'm struggling and when it feels like a grind, when it's really, really hard, I just remember too that it's like, okay, knowing Christ will help me to know what it looks like to emulate these things. And so sometimes I have a tendency to fixate on the fruit. But what you're saying is like, this is an invitation for us to mirror Christ likeness. And what better way to mirror Christ likeness than to know Christ? And so for us just to look our face to him when we feel like, man, we're really just stinking it up on all of this, just to say, you know what? I can't do, like, I often feel so overwhelmed, Glenna, with the reality of my sin and all the things that I feel like I have to do. I just say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open up the word and Lord, I just want to know you. I just want to love you. I just want to be with you. When I do that too, I find that by his grace, he like enables me to know more of what it looks like to walk in Christ likeness. And thereby, you know, some of these things get worked out in me that I had a really difficult time uh, with when I was kind of staring at them waiting for the fruit to grow on the tree, if you will. <laughs> I'm like, Come on, you got to hurry it up because this is taking forever. Um, but I think just kind of reorienting my gaze to the Lord is such an encouragement to me whenever it feels really difficult. Yeah. And I think what you're doing in that moment is you're feeding your faithfulness. Like you're stopping and saying, I need spiritual nourishment to continue Mm -hmm. in this day. I'm going to obediently turn my face to Jesus. And oh my goodness, there is going to be such fruitfulness there because he is faithful to us always. Yeah. And his word is our very life. It doesn't return void. So even on days where maybe we turn our face to him and it still feels a little empty, like he is still working in that. His word is not like any other word. I mean, it's powerful and he is doing work even when we're not aware of it. And just what a comfort that is. Yeah, it totally is. So if somebody is listening and they're like, man, I really want to just like look to the word, what resources would you recommend for them, whether it be that they want to grow in faithfulness or they just want to know God more? Mm, So, I mean, I can't say anything besides first going to the word. And if you don't have a regular habit of opening your Bible and reading and looking at God's character or looking at, you know, what does this teach me about the gospel? Like asking questions of the text. If you don't have some kind of habit, start that today. Don't wait until January. Don't wait um, until life slows down because it won't. Don't wait until your kids are older because you need it. Like for the Christian Mm -hmm. surviving surviving busy seasons or, you know, uh, maybe parenting or caretaking or busy jobs for the Christian, 
Jesus is our survival. Mm-hmm. He is. And so if we are going to you know, seek to be faithful and follow the path of faithfulness, it starts right now, today. You know, Make a habit of reading the Bible, praying, seek the Lord's help, because you cannot do this on your own. That's why we're going to the Word and to prayer. And that's why we also need to be connected to a body of believers to encourage us, because there will be times when we're weak and we doubt and we love our sin too much. And that's when other believers come alongside us and say, sister, repent and turn your face to this. Let me help you do that. So first and foremost, I mean, just those like individual and corporate disciplines Mm -hmm. are going to help us maintain and grow faithfulness as we lean on the Holy Spirit for that. But like, aside from those things, what I find to be really encouraging are like biographies of other saints who have Mm -hmm. gone before us. Some that are like well-known, some that are not. I recently read Tim Challey's book, Devoted. Yeah, I've heard great things about that. Yeah, great men and their godly moms. And so some of them are contemporary. Some of them are, you know, old uh, people who are long dead. And so not really part of church history. There's one or two from church history, but some are missionaries. And he basically just kind of outlines the life of these men, but he really focuses on their mothers. And the thing that really struck me about these mothers in this book was that they, for the most part, were just regular women Mm -hmm. who loved the Lord and were committed to prayer and the church yeah. and the work. And that had such a transformative effect on their families. Wow. And so, um, so I love that. And then like biographical sketches, John Piper has a lot of biographical sketches. One of my favorites is John Patton. Mm. He was a, a missionary to the New Hebrides. And I actually just pulled a copy of his biography off my church library shelf to keep don't tell anyone because there's more than one copy. I was like, who's going to miss this, right? I'm the pastor's wife. So that's um, so on my, my bookshelf now. But yeah, it, he's a missionary who was told as he you know, departed with his wife to go to the New Hebrides that he would be eaten by cannibals. And the last missionaries who had gone to that island were eaten by the cannibals. Oh, and my so, word. So he goes and he takes his wife and it is Whoa. just tragedy after another, after another, after another. And his life seemed very fruitless in ministry, but he just kept persevering and holding on to faithfulness in Jesus. And the Lord did amazing things with his ministry there. And wow. many were saved. Many were saved later in his life and after his death. And so like just stories like that. There's another one that John Piper did on Charles Simeon, who was a pastor in England mm-hmm. and his church, his church hated him. For 40 years, he preached in the same church and people, it's back when like people bought church pews and they had locks and keys on them and they didn't like his message. They didn't like his preaching from scripture. So they would lock their pews so no one could sit there. And so he'd preach to an empty sanctuary pretty much. I mean, just so much opposition to faithfulness. And yet for 40 years, he just preached the word week in and week out week in and week out. And eventually towards the end of his life, there was great fruitfulness. But I think like his story and so many others of of saints who have committed to Christ, no matter what their life circumstances are, how difficult, how monotonous, that kind of faithfulness really encourages me. And I find that same thing in the lives of older saints at church. Mm. So like I encourage women, like get to know your older, more seasoned Christians in your church, because those stories, like the ones in those biographical sketches and in the uh, biography that I mentioned, those are great and well-documented and they're historical, Mm -hmm. but there are 
Regular people everywhere, just living day in and out faithfulness to Christ. And most people will never know about it. And so, but those are the people sitting in your church pews. And so get to know some of the older saints in your church and learn from them. Ask them, you know, what gives you hope in Christ and just listen. That's just an admonition, I think, to the women in my generation and the women who are younger than me, because so often, because we have so much access, you know, on the internet and and to different teachings, and we know so many different, you know, professional Bible teachers and things like that. Sometimes we look at that Titus 2 passage where we're to learn uh, from women who are older, you know, some of the women in our church, they, they don't know their Bibles well enough or different things like that. Like, I think there's just a pridefulness about my generation. Uh, and what you're saying is exactly what we're missing, I think, when we say, well, they don't know, you know, how to, you know, exegete, like whatever passage. You're missing that. Man, I just want uh, my sisters and myself just to humble ourselves and to submit mm-hmm. to the women who have walked before us, uh, because really, like, we have no idea. I think of when my husband and I first moved to our church, we were the youngest people there. And I met this lady in the foyer and she was in her eighties. Her name was Leota and she was, had been widowed for decades and lived alone. And I just felt like I needed to get to know her. And so I just went over to her house one day and knocked on her door and she was so happy I was there. And we sat and talked and I ended up going over and visiting with her several times over the years until um, we brought our sons home. And then I just, you know, I got busy with little kids. But I look back at those conversations and she loved Jesus so much. She would spend her evenings in her recliner reading her Bible until midnight. She had severe arthritis and had trouble hearing, but she was at church every Sunday, rain or shine, no matter what, like the preaching of the word mattered so much to her. Mm -hmm. And um, she died last year. She was 96 when she died. And she was buried in another state and only a few people were able to go to her funeral. And I was home with sick children and I was heartbroken to miss her funeral. And I just remember thinking, um, my husband had traveled to preach the service and I, I just pictured the five or six people standing around her graveside. And I thought, you know, no one will really know her name. No, she's not famous. She doesn't have a platform. She never owned a computer, you know, like she yeah. didn't have a big job. She was just a quiet you know, woman who lived faithfully to Jesus in a small town. She lived a really small, quiet life, but her faithfulness to Christ, I mean, was exemplified to me like few others I have known. She loved the church. She loved the word. She loved to pray. She loved Jesus and she knew he was faithful. He was faithful to her. And that is why she thought I can be faithful to him. And that was such an encouragement to me. She was just this little old lady sitting on the pew behind me. And what a lifetime of faithfulness I got to, you know, learn from her in those few years I got to know her. She's just a regular Christian, you know, like she wasn't famous and yet she has exemplified faithfulness to Christ. Those are the people we need to get to be knowing in our churches. Amen. That is one of my simple joys is just learning from the older saints. uh, And that's why this whole podcast started. But I'd love to hear from you. What are three of your simple joys? Um, okay. Yeah. So now that the time has changed and it's not pitch dark for hours in the morning, now it's pitch dark for hours in the evening, but I'm I'm (laughs) a morning, early morning riser. And so I love when I'm sitting in my living room, reading my Bible in the morning and now the sun, I can see the sunrise through these uh, tulip trees in our backyard. And that is just, it's something I've, we've lived in our house for a long time. And so I just, every year, this time of year, I can watch the sunrise and I just, I love that. That's simple. So nice. uh, Definitely a simple joy. 
Yeah. It reminds you of those new morning mercies every day. Mm-hmm. And then I have a Tuesday Bible study with four other women from my church. We meet in a coffee shop for an hour every Tuesday and we just walk through a book at a time. And oh. so we're in Matthew. We've been Matthew for months. Hey, I'm in Matthew too. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, so we're in Matthew wonderful. 15. Jesus you're a little just, bit ahead. you know, he's just eviscerated the Pharisees for trying to catch him and his disciples in sin. And he's just, Jesus is always so good with a zinger. Like that's a (laughs) joy in and of itself. Like his comebacks are so perfect. And so I love it. Yeah. The only problem is they usually cut me to the heart because I am totally the older brother Pharisee. (laughs) Oh yeah. I have serious Pharisee syndrome. Uh. And so, yes, it is. It is funny the things he says sometimes, but then I'm also like completely pierced. It hurts so good. It hurts so good. It does. So I love that hour every week. I look yeah. forward to um, just discussing the scriptures with some women from church. Just such, so good for my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and so probably lastly would be, um, I don't know why I waited so long, but I bought patio lights for my patio this Ooh. year. <laughs> are they like the little bulbs? Those are yes. my favorite. Yes. I don't know why I've never bought them. I have a swing that sits on my patio. My kids play in the backyard. And so um, I just, I bought some this uh, just a couple months ago and put them up and I love Mm -hmm. them. I just like to sit out there. We built a fire in our fire pit the other night with the kids and did s'mores and turned those lights on. It just made me really strangely happy. Lighting (laughs) makes a difference. Why does lighting (laughs) make a difference? I don't know, but it does. It totally does. Well, I feel like you've already answered this question with that precious lady who sat behind you in the pew on Sunday mornings, but I would love to hear from you. Do you have any other women that you'd love to point to or men in your life that have had an impact on your own journey with Jesus? Yeah, I have the great privilege of having a, a really beautiful, godly heritage in my family. My Both my grandmothers were first-generation believers. and. Wow. Um, but really committed, like devoted to Christ wow. in word in word and deed. And um, one is still living and one is in heaven. Um, so both of them have exemplified to me what seeking the Lord for a lifetime looks like, being faithful for a lifetime. And some of that trickle-down effect is that my mom is probably also the other person who really has taught me what it means to follow Jesus. My mom loves the Lord so much. She knows the scriptures better than just about anyone I know and has from my earliest memories, you know, I get up in the morning and my mom's at the kitchen table with her coffee and her Bible and her notebooks. I mean, that is like as much a part of my memory as like Saturday morning cartoons and, you know, dinner around the table is my mom faithfully studying the word and loving Jesus. So yeah, I'm so thankful to have had that example. I know what a gift that is. Yes, that's so encouraging. I'm laughing in my head as well because Irene's son and I talked about how sometimes we idolize that time and, you know, our kids come down and they see us at the table and we're like, get back upstairs. Exactly. And then I remember, like, I was that kid. I was the early riser getting up and interrupting my mom in the morning. But now I know, like, what a profound effect that had on my life. I need to remember that when my four-year-old comes down and gets my lap. Absolutely. Let it be an invitation for us to walk in the spirit. Yes, exactly right. (laughs) Well, Glenna, it has been an absolute joy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for just gifting us your time and uh, chatting with us about faithfulness. I really hope that people will go and check out your book when it's available next June so that they can just, I I don't know how you wouldn't want to learn more about this topic. I just feel like if we saturate ourselves um, Mm -hmm. in learning more about the faithfulness of God, it's just going to serve us well throughout a lifetime. So thank you for your work in that capacity and thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Such a joy. Come on.
take a chance. Man, we pray that this episode, along with all the others in this series, just encourage you to gaze at God, think on his character, praise him for Jesus, thank him for the spirit, relish in the beauty of the gospel and what he's done for us through the person of his son, Jesus. And as you respond to his faithfulness, we hope that you will find rest knowing that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness and that it really is more simple than we often make it. We pray that you're encouraged to draw near to the Lord in prayer through the reading of his word and through the body of Christ. Who cares if you fall off your Bible reading plan five months ago? Just pick it right up in December and trust that the word will not return void. If you aren't plugged into a local church, what better time to visit than this holiday season? Give our website a look and access some of the resources that are available to help you find a biblically faithful, gospel-centered local church to be a part of next year. We love nothing more than receiving messages from you guys, letting us know that as you've listened to these interviews, the Spirit has prompted you to dig into the Word or to gather together with other believers for the first time in a while. Please DM us on Instagram or Facebook at Journey Women Podcast or shoot us an email and share that with us. Know that we're praying for you and we are so grateful for the opportunity to journey alongside you all. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Don't think I'm not.